Climbing God's holy hill can be one of the hardest tasks we ever attempt. Seeking God out in our multi-sensory world when there's so many other things to enjoy. But as we do so, as we spend time with God, and as we follow his laws through our life and each day, the shining of God's light through us will radiate into our families, into our churches, and into our community. Exodus chapter 24, verses 12 to 18, from the NIV Bible. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and stay here, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. Then Moses set out with Joshua his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain of God. He said to the elders, Wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and her are with you, and anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went on up the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain forty days and forty nights. Our next reading is from Psalm 121, reading from the NIV Bible. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He, he who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade and your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. So today we're looking at the passage where Moses is called up the mountain to be with the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here and I will give you tablets of stone with the law and commandments I've written for their instruction. Who likes rules? Did God say, come up here on my holy mountain and you can feast with me? Or did he say, come up here, I have some prophecy about the future to give you? No, he said to Moses, come up here, I have some rules to give you. Hmm, not the best of deals, is it? 
I wonder if you would be eager to take up such an offer. But God's rules are good for living. And Moses, of course, knew that being in the presence of God and hearing his instructions was the best thing he could do. So he went up the mountain, up the holy hill, to be with God. God's rules bring peace, bring harmony, and bring fulfilled lifestyles. It's a place where we look out for each other. But very often, sadly, for unknown reasons, people ignore God's rules so often. God's rules are broken. Some people even get a kick from breaking them or deny the fact that actually the rules they're following are not God's will at all. We all know, sadly, from our news that dictators make their own rules in opposition to God's love. Murderous and terror inciting. Rebels and criminals too, and bank robbers. Step against God's will. Think of bank robbers which break the rules such as, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not make any idols. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart and love one another as yourself. And so criminals who break God's laws are stepping out of the will of God. And we know that God judges us all on the last day for our actions and whether, we, whether or not we love Jesus. Thankfully, I find it quite amusing that according to the FBI, most modern day bank robberies, bank robberies are unsophisticated and unprofessional crimes. Tim Clark, who wrote How Not to Rob a Bank, reported that in spite of the widespread use of security cameras, 76% of bank robbers use no disguise, 86% never study the bank before robbing it, and 95% make no long-term plans for concealing the loot. Tim Clark cited various bank robbers who thankfully made some stupid mistakes. The bank robber who held up a bank that was no longer a bank and therefore found no money. The California bank robber who ran into his mother making his getaway and she turned him in. Then there's the robber who gave the cashier a note saying, I have a gun, give me all your 20s in this envelope. And the cashier said, all I've got is two 20s. So the robber took them and left. Then there's the robber who gave the cashier a hold-up note. But it just so happened that the cashier's father was in the next one in the queue. And he wrestled the man to the ground and sat on him until the authorities arrived. In one bank robbery, the robbers stole the cashier's car to make a getaway, which of course she carefully described to the police. And this resulted in probably the most quickly solved bank robbery ever. So such daftness has led to many bank robbers being arrested and then their lives take a nosedive for the worst when their crimes are caught out. God instructs us and we are called to listen to his instructions and guidance to protect, prevent us from ruining our lives for it going into nosedive he calls us to live a life of love and consideration for others, not egotism, nor self-centeredness. The core Ten Commandments guide us with good principles of loving God and loving one another. I wonder if you find it hard sometimes, hard to listen to God's guidance, hard to follow them. Do you sometimes find temptations or compromise takes us away from God's values? 
Sometimes you may, along others, find that you keep most of the commandments, but breaking one or two won't matter. You can get away with a little bit of lying here or there. No one will get hurt. But no, God calls us to follow the rules for his sake, whether or not people know what we've done, to not do it in silence or in quietness. I mean, take, for example, when we drive a car, what would happen if we said to ourselves, well, I'll keep most of the highway code, but letting one or two rules slip won't hurt, I'm sure. It won't hurt if I just drive on the right for a change, but I'll do all the others. It would be catastrophic for you and for everyone else too. Being disobedient in one small area is as serious as being disobedient in every area. James 2 verses 10 to 11 says, Whoever keeps the whole law but stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. So God gave us the instructions, the Ten Commandments, to guide us and protect us and protect others. Rules are mostly for our benefits. Instructions such as eating five to ten fruit and veg a day is not given to us because someone wants to control us. It's because they have our best interests at heart, our health. Likewise, when a doctor prescribes something as an expert, it's probably best to surrender to someone who really knows and has the knowledge on the subject to what we're listening to, to which we are listening. When Aaron disobeys instructions as he's left behind and Moses goes up the mountain, chaos ensues. A golden calf is created and he soon becomes surrounded by other people who want to make their own rules up. This golden calf starts to be worshipped. There is a danger when we step out of line with God and we make up our own rules that sometimes other people will look at us and say, well, if they do it, I can. They're a Christian. We have to be careful what, what areas we are slack in and what false rules we take up. Maybe there are people or television programmes that keep drip feeding us a golden calf. And what we once thought was wrong, we no longer think is wrong anymore. How innately fickle humankind can be. Rules have a purpose just as brakes have a purpose. You know, you can drive the car an awful lot faster if you have no brakes, but I definitely wouldn't advise it. Every true Christian needs brakes in their lives. If we want to be channeled into God's work and into his will, we need to put on the brakes occasionally and say, no, God wouldn't want this. Especially in a time of Lent, it's a time where we can examine ourselves and consider whether we're really obeying all the Ten Commandments or has a golden calf, sorry, a golden calf crept in. 1 Samuel 15, 22, Samuel says, what pleases the Lord more? burnt offerings and sacrifices or obedience to his voice. It is better to obey than to sacrifice. And so secondly, the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here and I'll give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I've written. God's call up the mountain was to seek out solitude, 
is called a thin place, a place with no distractions, just the presence of God. And perhaps the greatest obedience of all is the call of obedience to spend time with God. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here. Perhaps God is saying to us today, come on up, come on up and stay with me a while. In Psalm 20, 121, the psalmist says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. He knew the importance of the hills, the holy place, that solitude. Jesus did too. Matthew 14, 23, we find that after he had sent people away, he went by himself up into the hills to pray. It was late and Jesus was there alone. We find in Matthew 15, 29, that after leaving there, Jesus went along the shore of Lake Galilee. He went up on a, on a hill and sat there. And significantly, he died on the hill of Calvary. So what's better than climbing the holy hill so significant in our scriptures and seeking the presence of God? Sadly, we can be distracted by many things, making money, wealth, laziness, rejection, rejecting God's will. There's a fable you may have heard of before that a miser had buried his gold in a secret place in the garden. Every day he went to the spot and dug up the treasure and counted it piece by piece to make sure it was all there. He made so many trips that a thief who had been observing him guessed what it was that the, mis the miser had hidden and one night quietly dug up the treasure and made off with it. When the miser discovered his loss, he was overcome with grief and despair. He groaned and cried and tore his hair. And a passerby heard his cries and asked what had happened. My gold, my gold, cried the miser wildly. Someone has robbed me. Your gold? There in that hole? Why did you put it there? Why did you not keep it in the house where you could easily get it? when you had to buy something. Buy, screamed the miser, crossly. Why, I never touched the gold. I couldn't think of spending any of it. The stranger picked up a large stone and threw it in the hole and said, if that's the case, cover up that stone. It's worth just as much to you as the treasure you lost. Sometimes our focus can be on the wrong things, distracts us finances, money, popularity. Many things can distract us from seeking the holy mountain top and being focused completely on God. So Jesus sought the hilltop experience with God and if he needs it, how much more do we? And when he spent that time with God on the hilltop, he would come down and he was transformative. We hear in Matthew 8, 1, that when Jesus came down from the hill, great crowds followed him. We find in Matthew 5, 1, that when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the hill and sat down and his followers came to him. So there was an attractiveness about Jesus when he spent time on the holy hill. Matthew 8, 32, we find that Jesus sent the demons into the pigs and the whole herd rushed down the hill into the lake and were drowned. So clearly Jesus was on a hill when the miraculous happened. 
Again in Matthew 18, 12, we hear that if the man has a hundred sheep, but one of the sheep gets lost, he will leave the other 99 on the hill and go to look for the lost sheep. In this, it is implied that Christians are on the hill with him. Remember again that Elijah met God on top of the mountain as well as Moses in the solitude and stillness being with God. So I don't know where you find Jesus, where you find that closeness. It might be on a hill. Some people go on retreats. Some people find that solitary place in the woods or on the moors. Some people light a candle and pray. Some people open their Bibles or go to the church. Some people go on a prayer walk. But what counts is finding that thin place where you and I can meet with God. And nowhere is that more important than during the Lent season. Jesus received instructions for God on that holy hill and the miracles flowed when he came down. So thirdly, the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here and I'll give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I've written for their instruction. The hardest obedience is not just to meet with Jesus, but actually to stay there as he called us to, to stay in his presence and not rush away. You know, it's important over the years, I don't know how long you've been a Christian, but sometimes people can lose faith over time because of familiarity with the gospel. Sometimes it becomes harder to remain obedient when we get older or life is harder. It's important to remain honest and faithful, to stay there on that holy mountain with God, to hold fast. I don't know if you saw on the news last week, but there was a cleaner who was cleaning a ground floor bathroom at a TV company's building in Melbourne when he found £50,000 worth of hidden cash notes in the pipes around the toilet. He said that there was too much to count. He thought someone was playing a prank, but he did say, it's not my money, so I can't take it away. So the cleaner immediately called his bosses about the discovery who then in turn alerted the police, even though he was struggling financially as a student. And then a plumber was called out and he found an additional 935 pounds stuffed in the pipes. I think the cleaner is the kind of person to employ. How honest was he? After three years of waiting for the cash to be claimed, Newen, the cleaner, was told by the magistrate that he would be able to keep £40,000 of it, with the rest going to the state. Even in the face of temptation, Newen held fast to his values and his principles. You know, God calls us to stick with him, stay with him on that holy mountain, through thick and thin, when it's easy, when it's difficult. And if we were to self-evaluate how our lives are, I wonder if we are further up that holy hill than we used to be, or lower down. Have we slipped maybe in our moral integrity or our love and passion for Jesus? Maybe we once held tightly to God's laws, but since have become lukewarm or mediocre. Maybe when the Sunday service goes on for more than a quarter of an hour, longer than you expected, you tut because God's presence to you is of less significance than your Sunday roast. God calls us to stay with him, sit with him a while, 
not to be distracted by life. Do you know Aaron didn't stay? He left the glory. He walked away from that obedience and listening to the leadership of God. And when Moses's back was turned, he created a golden calf. Whereas Moses, when he came down from the mountain, his face shone with the radiance of God. Obedience makes us shine. The presence of God gives us a shining heart. The light of God shines through us. I wonder if you're feeling obedient today. Have you managed to surrender everything to God this Lent? Climbing God's holy hill can be one of the hardest tasks we ever attempt. Seeking God out in our multi-sensory world when there's so many other things to enjoy. But as we do so, as we spend time with God, and as we follow his laws through our life and each day, the shining of God's light through us will radiate into our families, into our churches, and into our community. This Lent, may we take time to be in God's presence, to fast and pray on God's holy hill. Amen. podcast 
is adapted from recorded Zoom services held by Teambridge Methodist Circuit Coastal Section. Full videos can be viewed on their YouTube channel. Music is taken from worship audio tracks, all rights reserved.